welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hello, superstars. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast in the entire multiverse, Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined by myself. Yes, we are doing another solo podcast. I have my trusty notes nearby and multiple things for us to go over. Before I dive in, I'm reminding you to and thanking you for clicking that subscribe button 
for liking, for sharing, for commenting, reminding you that the way this podcast is organized, the first half is free on all of the audio podcast platforms, the standard issue ones, as well as a bunch of alt media, quote unquote, conspiracy theory ones. Although I just feel like it would be a lot more accurate to change that phrase to the informed. Uh, my friend Astara and I came up with that one. So um, you can find it on informed podcast platforms as well as the standard issue podcast platforms. You can also find it on my locals channel, dannycats.locals.com and on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash words are matter. That R is the letter R. The second half is available for my paying supporters on both Locals and Patreon. Again, those links are going to be found down below. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as advance notice for and special discounts on webinars, courses, um, workshops. You'll also hear about live events. My book is about to drop any second. There's bonus content. If you are someone who is interested in tuning into the podcast that I do with Emily Moyer, Words, that is available for our $10 and up supporters. Well, specifically for my $10 and up supporters. So as you're choosing to support me on either platform, locals, or both, keep that in mind. Minimum donation to receive my second half podcast conversations is $5 a month to also receive um, words afterwards word salad all of our sub series are democracy psychedelic fascism etc that is a minimum donation on my platforms of ten dollars a month so value for value rocks give as you feel inspired just giving you the lay of, of the land so you know um what donations get you access to i also want to let you know that i am prepping to teach another pop propaganda course probably my last one ever. So there's going to be the live um, homeschool course for teens, a 10 week version. And I'm also, I can't believe I'm announcing this. I'm going to do one for adults. I've received so many requests to teach my prop, pop propaganda course to adults that um, I've heard them um, and I'm stepping up to the plate. So as you are interested in regist registering your teen for my pop propaganda course or registering yourself and your friends for my adult pop propaganda course, please reach out to me because right now I'm doing a little survey to determine best days and times. And I wanna get your input so that you can participate. So you can email me at quantumlanguaging at gmail.com. You can find me through my website, stannycats.com, quantumlanguaging.com. Last, piece of homework is to definitely sign up for my newsletter. Um, you can sign up at either dannycats.com or quantumlanguaging.com. You will get a free PDF, five quantum languaging hacks for instant empowerment. I never share your information with anyone. I don't send out that many newsletters. It's just given the ridiculous um, thought policing landscape content creators and journalists are dealing with, it's the best way to ensure that you and I are staying in touch and that you are um, staying abreast of my every next video, book, course, live event offering. 
All right, I think that does it for housekeeping, and I'm going to dive into today's solo episode after I take a, a sip of water because it is the drink of champions. That is a quote from my Austrian gymnastics coach, Fritz Reiter. Um, growing up in a gym, <laughs> we were only ever allowed to drink water because as Fritz would say, it is the drink of champions. Water is the drink of champions. So it stuck with me all these years. We're going to start off today with some quantum languaging stuff. I did my best to take my messy batch of notes. If you're watching, I'm holding up my very messy um, notebook and to collate them into some semblance of structured order, all of the 60th gene key. Oh, speaking of the gene keys, we are about to launch the dream arc course. Um, that will be launched actually what pardon me <laughs> i'm just getting so excited so registration for the dream art course will be open by the time this podcast comes out i'm recording this on august 2nd but it's not going to drop for a week or so so the dream art gene keys course it's the one course that i haven't done yet so i'm going to be attending this course as a student as you are interested in journeying with me in the DreamArc course, I'm inviting you to sign up through my own affiliate link, which I will include in the show notes. You could also find it um, on my web website, dannycats.com, because um, every little bit helps. I'm abundance incarnate. Okay. So we're starting off with some quantum languaging hacks today, and then we're going to move into some spicier territory. Um, the first one that I wanted to simply call our attention to is the normalization of the word deploy. And I'm going to, so full disclosure, this is a re-record because I recorded this show two days ago and I just felt like I was all over the place. I didn't feel super grounded. Um, and this is the beauty of doing solo podcasts. I can do it again. So um, I had pulled up the definition of deploy last time and I have it up now. So um, according to DuckDuckGo, the first definition of deploy is to position troops in readiness for combat as along a front or line. Definition number two, to bring forces or material into action. Definition number three, to base a weapon system in the field. So we have three definitions all relating to war and military and fighting. And I don't know about you, but I'm noticing many a podcaster talking head spokes hall who in my personal estimation are shilling for the op, whether they realize it or not, utilizing this word deploy more and more when it seems like they're not talking about war or troops. So why all of a sudden the pro proliferation of this warlike uh, languaging? Well, from my perspective, as a word wizard, as a quantum languaging consultant, it is to normalize the idea of word and excuse me, war and military intervention. It is to get us um, slowly inured through repetition to the um, violent mil militaristic under and overtones that really define this word deploy. So, um, you know, what I do with my spot, the propaganda students is I, I make it like a where's Waldo game, like, sure, watch Netflix, 
watch your Disney cartoons, just keep track for the propaganda and then report back to class when you find it. Same with deploy. Just start to notice how often you're hearing it and who's utilizing it. And, and then if you're interested, you could look into who's funding them and what other groups are on the board of and all of a sudden you'll put the pieces together. But just start to be aware as that is becoming um, more and more ubiquitous in the public discourse and in the lexicon. All right, number two. So I talk about, I've coined this phrase de-gerunding, which is like reverse gerunding. It's another word for verbing nouns. And the idea is that fixity is one of the primary hallmarks of hierarchy and hierarchical languaging, which is what my forthcoming book, The Language of Betterarchy, is all about. And in that book, I pinpoint the 10 precepts of hierarchical languaging so that we can be attuned to the languaging patterns that fuel and empower the hierarchical organizational construct and remove our consent from that construct by ceasing to speak those frequencies and that system into our collective field um, and our individual reality constructs. So fixity is one of those precepts and um, fixity is the fiction that the way things are is the way that they're supposed to be, they have to be now, and they will continue to be in the future, right? It alleges to take a realm of impermanence and ascribe it with permanence, which is simply not true. So nouns themselves imply fixity, right? There's, um, there's a certain kind of solidity to nouns, right? Like when I talk about um, sadness, right? That's an abstraction, right? And that's something as, a, as an emotion that comes and goes, that moves, right? And it's not anything that I have a fixed visual on or representation for because it is an abstraction. Noun, like pen, right? There's a fixity to this. I'm going to drop it and you heard it, right? Because it's made of um, atoms and electrons and neutrons and, and it, it is shaped itself in this like material density, which gives it the notion of some sort of fixity. So I was asked about this in my Saturday Salon group coaching program because they hear me talk about verbing nouns and it's not, um, other people have spoken about this. Like David Bohm um, has the concept of rea mode, um, which Robert Forte, who edited my book, pointed out to me after I'd written the book. And I was like, oh, of course. I love that David Bohm and I are on the same page, even though I didn't know that when I wrote it myself. I know there are also a number of indigenous cultures that have no nouns in their lexicon, right? It's not like we sit on the chair. It's like we sit where God is chairing, right? So it's it's this temporary expression of all that is, um, according to these, you know, tribal languages. So I'm still playing with what I'm calling degerunding, and um, I'm still playing with a how to employ it myself in the most useful ways and be how to translate it to other people because teaching people how words create and program reality with words can be tricky it's like being a fish in the ocean 
and um, making it one's life work, life's work to do this like kind of abstract analysis of the water in which we're swimming, which we can never really separate separate ourselves from because we're always in it. So similar to what I'm doing with language. Um, so the example that I often use when it comes to verbing nouns is when it comes to like experiences that we're not digging. If it if it's, you know, pathologies and symptoms or negative emotions, right? Um, instead of anxiety, I've often used the example of I'm noticing some anxiousing in my field um, instead of putting um, projecting any permanence onto passing symptoms it's always describing them in motion with a moving through some inflammation i'm healing some inflammation and and while we're on that topic i am still healing whatever this imbalance is in my mouth which has my tongue um feeling a bit weird and compromised so if you hear me tripping over my words more so than i normally do <laughs> um know that that's something that i'm in the process of healing and moving through but um a new example that has come to mind occurred to me when one of my coaching clients was talking about an experience she had in a lawyer's office and a lawyer speaking about something that to her was very tender and sensitive, but the lawyer was speaking about it in a way that was, um, you know, just fairly cold and brass tacks and wasn't necessarily attuned to her heart space in this conversation. And she opened it up by saying, well, because I'm an empath, and then she went on to describe the situation. This is a perfect example of where the noun, the solidified form of empath while it may be totally accurate, was not serving her in this situation, right? Because empath, like any identity construct, um, be it, you know, writer, Aquarius, Jew, um, woman, you know, like whatever it is, they are all cages and prisons in which we lock ourselves. I've yet to, to hear any identity construct that doesn't create some sort of limitation as well as some sort of separation, right? But when we self-identify with any identity construct, now we're bound by the rules of that identity construct. So when my client said, I'm an empath, and she carried that identity construct, that self-definition into this meeting with the lawyer, she was setting herself up to be overly sensitive to or overly vulnerable to um, the conversation that um, was a little hard on her, you know, wide open, tender heart. And it's not to say let's close our hearts down or let's deny being an empath, but it's just noticing even in that it's not denying being an empath. It's denying being empathic, right? It's coming back to our, our base original identity construct as human being. And as human beings, we might have tendencies towards being empathic, um, towards empathing, right? And so this was the upgrade I gave her was like, instead of locking yourself in a cage called empath, which will work for you in some situations, right? Like holding space for a friend who's having a hard time or, you know, extending our compassion and our empathy towards others who are, you know, in pain or suffering or even experiencing joy. Um, there are times where being an empath isn't necessarily going to serve us. Like 
going into this lawyer's office for this specific meeting. And when we acknowledge that we are empathing in the moment, it's a moment to moment choice. It's not like, I liken it to putting on a jacket, like I'm putting on my empath jacket because right now I'm empathing versus like fusing that empath jacket to my skin or tattooing it on my skin so that I'm wearing it 24 seven and sometimes being hampered by that identity construct when I'm in situations where it isn't best serving me. None of this is to not to deny what very, very well may be a truly empathic nature. It's to note that um, as sovereign empowered beings, we exercise our own authority to write our stories however we choose. That's what authority means. Our own divine right to author our stories and our lives as we choose. So we have permission to author our stories for the kinder, for the most efficient, effective, etc. So if I'm writing my story that I'm an empath and I'm walking into a situation where a more sort of like guarded or professional means of engaging is going to suit me better then that story that I'm writing for myself is a sabotaging story because carrying myself into that meeting with the empath identity construct is not going to best serve the meeting right it might be better for that meeting if I walk in as an empowered badass who is rocking my adulting, you know, or as a, you know, a professional who's really attuned to logistics, right? So the upgrade that I offered to my client was how about instead of defining yourself as an empath, you turn it into a degerend situation where it's like, I'm empathing and you can empath verb, right? Verbing the noun, you can empath when it suits you, when it's aligned, when it's, the just right thing for you to be doing, but you can also put down that identity construct and choose a different one when you're walking into situations where empathing or being an empath is not going to best serve you. So what I realized from this situation for myself as someone who's still mastering the art of teaching degerending and verbing nouns is that it works really well with identity constructs. And you know, I sometimes use this example in terms of authorities or or teachers right like when i'm teaching a workshop i am temporarily playing the role of the authority figure in that container right because i'm the one who knows our schedule who knows all of the you know the the lessons and precepts and modules for us to get through and i'm i'm also the one who's tracking the space so i'm holding that identity, I'm playing that role in that um, specific experience. But I can also let that go outside of that experience so that I'm not putting myself like on this pedestal above my students 24 seven, plenty of people, you know, plenty of my coaching clients, plenty of people who attend my workshops and webinars are also friends. So I don't want to be carrying that like authority teacher role 24 seven. So when I'm stepping into a webinar, I'm teaching, right? That's the role I'm playing for the, the ensuing three hours or the ensuing 10 weeks if we're talking about my pop propaganda course, right? But I can let that go 
when, you know, my friend and I are taking a Pilates class and there's another teacher at the front of the room or when I don't always want to be the one to come up with with the answers or, you know, allege to know all the things, not that, you know, a good teacher alleges to know all the things, but I think you know what I'm saying. So I'm noticing for myself a lot of freedom in de-gerunding identity constructs and thinking them as more of temporary roles and um you know like these wardrobe accessories that i can put on in certain situations when it's appropriate but i could also take them off and i find that's easier to do by adding the ing i'm teaching today you know i'm moderating today i moderated um a psychedelic panel which we're going to talk about later in today's podcast um i'm not the moderator right i'm not going to make ownership of that identity construct but i played with that identity construct for a good hour and a half at a festival over the weekend so um you know you'll be able to read more about degerunding when my book the language of betterarchy comes out and it's just like taking um any sort of fixed idea and putting it in motion by tacking on the ing um and so I'm, you know, play with it with identity. You know, I'm Aquariusing if I'm being kind of airy and all over the place. But you know what? My, I have access to a bunch of different signs. So there might be situations where it's more appropriate for me to be Scorpioing or for me to be Virgoing, right? I mean, if you saw my desk right now, it would be smart for me to step into some Virgoing. And I see this a lot um, with people who are into astrology. And the pitfall of clinging on to our astrological, um, you know, our charts and our makeups as these identity constructs. And I hear it, you know, I have a friend who she's been itinerant for a while and she will very often say like, well, this is really hard for me with six planets in Capricorn. And it's like, "Mm, is that story helping you? lighten the load of being itinerant for as long as you have probably not right if we're going to continue to refer back to like this capricorn identity that needs stability then it's going to be harder when we don't have it right better to play with like you know i'm i'm sagittariusing or i'm geminiing or you know like whatever the sign that's going to be most comfortable with that but just noticing when these identity constructs are putting us in a cage of limitation that is working against us and then seeing where we can incorporate the ing and start to verb those nouns um and kind of you know lighten the grip we have on these identity constructs all right i think that that's i hope that's clear this is the this is the other issue with the just talking at a screen um i'm guessing what your feedback is going to be And because I'm authoring my story for the kindest, I'm guessing that your feedback is super positive and you totally grok that and just had this like amazing aha and are super excited to start to employ the ING degerunding in your life, Ostapronto like. Okay, next. So I probably, it probably would have been wise for me to announce this at the beginning of the show. If you have not yet slipped on your big girl panties or your big boy panties, then I suggest pressing pause and going to do that. If you don't have big girl panties or big boy panties, then um, you might misunderstand what I'm about to say and conflate the critique and analysis that I do of the various psyops 
being um, deployed, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that word because I think it is a, um, a warlike tactic, right? Like these psyops are a war on our mind and our attention and our critical thinking. So um, I'm, I have noticed that many times people who are under certain types of mind control, and let's be mindful, we're all, all unraveling ourselves from mind control because we all live in the same simulation. We're all being exposed to the same control mechanisms. Um, I'm not separate from this. I was indoctrinated in the same, you know, education system as most of us in the West were. So it's, it's a process, but I have noticed that people who are still under certain types of identitarian mind control can conflate my own critiques of the trans op with um, like some sort of phobia or beef with trans people, which I don't have and I've never had. So I'm gonna get that out of the way up front. Uh, I know that sometimes I'll say that and people under that type of mind control still don't hear it and I'm also assuming if you're listening to my podcast that you're hip to this and you're not going to fall for that type of mind control. So what I want to talk about two things. One is the insane ubiquity of this prefix trans. And you know what? While we're at it, I want to look up the exact etymology of trans because since trans has hit the discourse in the really big freaking way. And I I can point to, I mean, we saw even Timothy Leary talking about trans back when he was alive and writing books in like the 90s, maybe even the 80s. And I think Robert Anton Wilson was in on it as well. So, and Emily and I've talked about this before with Robert Forty. I saw that as like the laying the groundwork for the op that we're living through now. But in terms of the fact that Part of what um, the powers that were would like to be engineering us into is a transhumanist enslavement future. So notice the insane ubiquity and proliferation of the prefix trans to refers to the to refer to the transsexual op that's going on. So every time that we say trans, 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 we are casting our vote for more trans ops um, in our reality construct. And I talk about this in all of my quantum languaging webinars and workshops and courses that um, we live in a morphogenetic field that determines how our reality construct configures. So that morphogenetic field binds and unifies every single individual in our species, right? You can go back to Lyle Watson's work um, and the whole thing with like the monkeys on the island figuring out how to wash their sweet potatoes. And as soon as one monkey figured it out, then a bunch of other monkeys figured it out, then a bu bunch of other monkeys on neighboring islands figured it out. And then all the monkeys were doing it, not because they had some sort of like intricate, integrate, you know, like ch monkey chat group, but because every species is connected through their own morphogenetic field. And once a critical mass achieves some sort of um, evolution or, you know, um, 
figures something out, then the whole of that species will figure it out. So similarly, we are linked by a morphogenetic field. And that morphogenetic field acts as a feedback loop, right? So it amalgamates all of the input that it's receiving, which is all of our words and thoughts and deeds that are programming the morphogenetic field. And then that morphogenetic field takes what um, the what it is being um, programmed with the most and organizes reality to reflect that. This is why back, you know, around 2015, 2016, I didn't have to be following the specifics of the politics around the election. I just knew that Trump was going to win because of how often I was hearing his name repeated, right? Every time we were that his name is uttered, we are casting our vote for his existence and more of his existence in our reality, right? This is why Aboriginal tribes, when someone was cast out of the tribe, they all ceased to use that person's name. And the idea was by ceasing to um, use that person's name, they were invalidating that person's existence. They were removing their consent for this person's existence and thus allowing you know, him or her to fade away into the ethers of non-existence. So similarly, every time we're saying trans, 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 the trans op, the trans this, the trans that, we're also casting our vote for transhumanism because we're saying the same word. We're, we're saying the same prefix. We're empowering that concept. And I do not think that is by accident at all. I think trans, it's like this throwaway. I mean, there are a lot of pieces to the trans op. Don't get me wrong. For anyone who's watching, it's just getting a little hot. I needed to turn up the air. But pause for sip. The more we say trans, whether we're referencing um, you know, the transsexual op or the transhumanism op, that is still fueling and empowering the transhumanism op for sure. So let's look up trans. According to etymology. Uh, what no it's the online etymology dictionary it says trans is a word forming element meaning across beyond through on the other side of to go beyond i mean i guess i can see it in terms of like cross dressing because that used to be you know i guess that precedes this trans thing that we're dealing with now um kind of odd. I mean, it's a proto, let's see, proto-Indo-European root meaning to cross over, pass through. It's weird because here they're saying it's linked to betray, the verb betray. Anyway, I'm not really getting getting much from the etymology, but I just want to draw our attention to, um, you know, it's why I always say the powers that were instead of the powers that be, because I refuse to ratify their false authority in the present moment. I am removing my consent by saying the powers that were and thus putting their false authority in the past. So just being mindful that um, the future is seeded with uh, every word that we are thinking and saying and texting and sharing in the here and now. And every time we're saying trans, 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 we're legitimizing trans. We're casting our vote for more trans. And in this case, I believe that this is 
empowering um, and accelerating the transhumanist op at the same time. Um, I'll probably have more to say about that in the future because I want to do a little bit more research with my nine zillion Latin dictionaries on trans, but I'm just going to leave it there for now. But while we're on the topic of the trans op, I want to call our attention to a propaganda technique known as doublespeak. So for those who've just started following me recently, you may not know that I'm the author of Pop Propaganda, an illustrated guide to propaganda. Yes, this is the textbook I created for my Pop Propaganda homeschool course, which I think it's going to be starting in September. There's just no getting around it. Um, and also for my pop propaganda adult course. So this book lists 37 tools, tricks, and techniques the social engineers use to attempt to manipulate, divide, um, and control us. Once we are attuned to these tricks and how they work, they don't work on us anymore. So doublespeak is one of the entries in this amazing book that you totally want to have and can have because it's on sale on Amazon now. And if you're one of those amazing people who doesn't feel comfortable giving your money to Amazon, um, message me privately through my websites and I'm happy to arrange for a private sale because I think that's awesome. Respect. All right. So double speak, double speak. It's so cute. Um, so doublespeak, we have um, here, uh, the example that I use in the book is domestic terrorists, right? So all of a sudden, like parents who have been concerned about critical race theory and like their kids learning about masturbation and anal penetration in preschool have been branded domestic terrorists as well. Journalists um, questioning uh, establishment narratives that seem like bullshit and among you know the tiniest bit of research are bullshit are also called domestic terrorists but i'm going to read to us the definition of doublespeak from your new favorite book doublespeak uses deliberately misleading language to obscure facts and downplay atrocities it does this by employing easily digestible language to cloud otherwise horrific scenarios and circumstances, as in rebranding lies as alternative facts, or describing civilians killed by military drone strikes as collateral damage. Doublespeak can also invert the truth entirely, as in the infamous slogan from George Orwell's 1984, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. There is also the doublespeak we see when an elected leader dodges a clear direct question with a bunch of nonsense words that communicate all of nothing, be it a glittering generality or a non sequitur. Glittering generality is another um, propaganda technique that I cover in this book. So the reason that this is coming up today is because I keep hearing this phrase, gender affirming care. So if you weren't like, just imagine if we weren't like completely caught up in this op, if we were like an alien species who dropped in to our reality now or a time traveler who just arrived, wouldn't we think that gender affirming care was some sort of like 
kind, gentle, compassionate means of affirming our actual gender, I guess. Um, what gender affirming care actually refers to is gender denying mutilation. So note the exact inversion of what that means. Gender affirming care is the phrase that is being used for 14 year olds who are having their breasts surgically removed. Gender affirming care is the phrase that is being used for 16 year old boys who are having their penises cut off and holes dug inside of them to approximate what people are calling vaginas. I don't know about you, that doesn't seem like very gender affirming to me. As I understand it, as I was taught in, in biology, and as you know, existing science seems to continue to back up today, gender is determined by our chromosomes. XX chromosome is a female gender, and XY chromosome delineates a male gender. We can see this like in so many different um in so many different like realms and areas right like you plug uh a, um an electrical cord into the socket um it's the male that's going into the female the female is the whole that is receiving the male right like it it's not just biological gender but we even look to like archaeology where you know archaeologists will dig up bodies and be like, oh, this is a woman, this is a man. Like they're not determining that from like these 10,000 year old skeletal pronouns. They're determining that from biological markers. So um, gender affirming care being the phrase being ascribed to gender mutilation, gender denying mutilation is a pitch perfect example of doublespeak. Not only is it a complete inversion of what the words actually mean, but it's also being employed to downplay, sidestep, deny the physical atrocity that it truly is. And I want to be clear, if you are someone who has undergone any sort of gender reassignment surgery, I totally respect you and I respect your freedom to do that as an adult, right? As an adult human, I'm all about free will. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But let's call it what it is. It's gender denying mutilation. It's not gender affirming care. And notice how this doublespeak like operates to kind of soften and distance us from the brutality of chopping off a penis. And I have been criticized for this you know, ever since I wrote my first article about gender reassignment surgery as seen through the lens of the 53rd Gene Key back in 2012. And I was told that my language was harsh. And it's like, don't you think chopping off someone's penis or breasts is harsh? Like, do you think that's a delicate procedure like it's gonna take some physical muscle to like remove an appendage and i think the fact that we paint it with this like colorful inverted double speak language to protect our delicate psyches from the violence that is actually occurring is part of the problem especially when we see these these videos or you know we hear from people who have had gender reassignment surgery and on the flip side 
totally regret it. And I can tell you as someone who, you know, first wrote about this back in 2012, I have received many, many, many emails from people who at the time didn't understand my perspective and on this end of their own experience really regret it. And again, this is not to say that it's not going to be appropriate for a certain small number of people in the population. I don't claim to understand gender dysmorphia, and I do have compassion for people who have gender dysmorphia. But this op is is taking it to a whole different level. And the way that these um, medical interventions, which create quite a lot of profit, not just for the pharmaceutical companies, because all of these people are going to be on the big pharma titty for the rest of their lives, but for every intermediary in between. This is a money grab. Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.